Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today we'll be reviewing all the phones. That includes Samsung's new foldables, the Pixel 5a, and probably some other things that we can think of because mm-hmm. uh, Sherlyn has had too many devices to review. Are yeah. you okay, Sherlyn? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you and the honest that, answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are okay. We're all very tired. But, you know, that's how, that's how it goes in Gadget mm-hmm. land. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And you can drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. Also, you can check us out on the live stream, typically Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. You can join us there for Q&As, see us show off devices. Actually, for this episode, Sherlyn will be actually doing hands-on, you know, coverage of these phones. So Mm -hmm. tune in to us on YouTube to get some of that action. So to help us break down all these new phones and kind of what is happening in the phone world, we brought on the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Velasco, staff writer at Washington Post, a.k.a. Trader, a.k.a. (laughs) Best Buy Store 1098 employee, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic. Hello, V. How are you doing? Hi. I missed you guys. Missed you too, V. I don't know if I'll say that. <laughs> well, I we did we saw each other not that long ago, so it would be is fair. You guys are still in the same area. Yes. yes, exactly. But yeah, it's good to be back. It's great to talk phones. I'm there's a lot of stuff going on, and I think we're all kind of suffering a bit for it. So let's let's commiserate a little bit. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm coming off of two weeks vacation, so uh, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. It's been so much work for especially <laughs> Sherlyn. I don't know how it's been for V. Uh, but before we dive into the phone specifically, I did want to take a step back and just say, hey, this is the beginning of new phone season. Yes. There's a lot of new stuff to expect. Um, mm. What, you know, what is going on from both of your perspectives? Because you guys are major mobile reporters, you know, 5G was the yeah. big thing last year. What is going on this year? I mean, so my, and I, I've pitched this various times to like, uh, it's a matter of not being able to have the time to write it up yet. I am working mm-hmm. on this story. But the big trend I see, and V, I think you'll agree with me, is that like with Tensor being announced just a couple weeks ago, more than ever, I think consumers are going to have to like understand the differences between different types of chipsets and, and mm. you know, like companies owning the production process of their own chips. 
is is going to factor into how well these phones perform. It's no longer just a Snapdragon 800 thing compared against each other till death now, at least in the Android mm-hmm. world. I mean, it, Apple has been doing this for a while. Samsung, while its Exynos still hasn't really shown up in the US, um, has seemed to improve at least with the version that was announced at CES this year, the 5 nanometer design process. And I'm not hearing as much... Uh, bad feedback about the Exynos variants of the S21 flagships. Mm. I don't know if you have a different experience with that, V. Um, and then with Tensor coming up with all these performance promises that Google's, Google's making, I, I think it's all about the chips, y'all. Let's it's hope they're gluten-free. The My brain's broken, y'all. You know, the chip thing is one thing because the Tensor stuff, I was reading that uh, while, while I was away from the tech mm-hmm. world, and it sounded interesting. But it also felt like, to me, that Google was just like, okay, we, we've literally done like all the major things we can to right. deliver an iPhone-like experience. What The last thing we could do is build our own chips, you know, and cater our software directly to our own hardware, which right. is basically what Apple's doing. I don't, I can't imagine a mainstream consumer will give an F at all about, uh, you know, right. the, the chip. It's more like, does this work well? Is this, you know, yeah. the iPhones, it's definitely nobody... Not- mm-hmm. A sexy topic. Um, yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, but no, it's just it's definitely okay. not a sexy topic. But but I think the the idea is that like consumers may need to know a difference over time. Like, is there really? So anyway, this is something I'm trying to find out. Let's not blow up my spot on this article that I'm working on. <laughs> I mean, um, you you blew up your own spot, Sherlyn. So I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. But it's good to get your feedback ahead of time. I'm like, oh, this is what people want to hear about or read about. Yeah, yeah. So that's what chips I'll, are good. Chips are good. Questioning. Yeah. The chip I'm wondering about is 5G stuff because. The big 5G launch, I felt like, was last year. There was some stuff even before that. But with the iPhone 12 bringing 5G to the masses, that phone was hugely popular. I think Apple's last earnings report made it clear that, you know, they they sold more iPhone 12s dramatically more than any other models. And a lot of people attuned that to being that was the first 5G one. People from Android and other platforms decided to jump onto iPhone at that point. You know, that's when I got my wife an iPhone 12 Mm -hmm. uh, because... First of all, I was tired of having her on Android and we couldn't do some of the things like FaceTime. Um, but also, like, she, she didn't need to be on Android. Like, her, she could get a phone that was really great um, with a much more cohesive experience via iPhone. So, anyway, 5G still feels like kind of a bust. Uh, even in my, like, suburb outside of Atlanta, I get, like, the, you know, I get, the like, the, the LTE equivalent of 5G. I don't get the, you know, the super fast 5G. Mm-hmm. So, Is sub-six. anything changing? Yeah, so sub-6. Um, is anything changing yeah. this year? I mean, V, I, I also want to hear your, just your thought in general mm-hmm. about the chips and other things that are trendy in phones. But, yeah, if, if you want to answer this, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, just to jump into the 5G stuff really quickly. Yeah, I mean, everyone's out there saying that they're making big progress in terms of expanding their footprints. But... In terms of practical benefits, I still don't get the impression that most people are really benefiting. And and really, the expansion of 5G leads to like really weird edge cases where things that you kind of took for granted before mm-hmm. don't work mm-hmm. as well as they used to. Florence yeah. Ion uh, at Gizmodo had a really kind of epic tweet thread for a while about how she just couldn't get her Verizon 5G yes. SIM to work in her phone. And she just yes, kept yes. burning through SIM cards. And this is not like the old days. Literally burning, because they, they yeah. were shorting out. 
Yeah. Oh, Lord. We believe that was the case. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. it's it's not like the old days where if you have a phone issue, you could just, like, quickly activate another SIM and just move that SIM around from device to device. That's mm-hmm. that's not a lifestyle that you can really do, at least with Verizon-specific 5G configuration. Right, right, right. I was visiting home not too long ago, visiting my parents mm-hmm. for one of the first times in a long time. And I think, like a lot of people, I use my, my smartphone as, like, my GPS using CarPlay or Android Auto. And mm-hmm. the number of times... The I would be told that I've got full 5G coverage, but then Google Maps will say, yep. oh, your traffic yeah. data is back because you were offline yep. and we just yep. didn't tell you. Like the number of yep. little things that just do not work properly is honestly yep. still kind of mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like there needs to be a reckoning with the rollout of, out of 5G in America. Well, we're. Not naming any names. Hey. <laughs> yeah. While we're on this subject, like I fully agree with you. I've been on T Mobile, which I. I've known for the longest time. Oh, and by the way, our parent company is Verizon Wireless. Hey. So disclosure that they don't own editorial um, perspectives yep. or whatever. And also, anyhow, like, yeah, we are in the process of being sold to another company, too. So it's a whole yeah. thing right now. We'll, yeah. yeah. But anyhow, so I am still firmly and stubbornly a T-Mobile user, despite my parent company's uh, frequent attempts to get me to switch. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I have not enjoyed the 5G experience on T-Mobile, if only because... Things out of nowhere. So I switched over to a 5G capable phone a couple months ago and I started seeing the 5G logo. And that is also exactly when I noticed that web pages started loading super slow. Apps started loading the internet side of things super slow. Like Mm -hmm. I would be trying to shop for something on Instagram or just trying to browse and gadget. It would not load. So, I mean, that's my experience so far with it. But the other thing that's uh, an upcoming development in 5G anyway is... A lot of uh, talk about mid-band spectrums um, and, and a lot of devices being being prepped to use those um, and, and questions about whether or not you should be like expecting devices launched this year to have mid-band support. So, for example, the Pixel 5a, which we're going to talk about at length later, um, does not have mid-band support. And I think Google was questioned about that decision. And it just is, it's just is weird because... Um, no carriers are actively; they have actively switched on their midband networks yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And what does so what would be the bring? advantage of yeah. that? What exactly. would be so, the advantage? Yeah. So midband is like slightly higher than the sub six uh, mm-hmm. frequency, I believe, and then but not as good or or high bandwidth and and capacity as uh, a millimeter wave. It's not high. Yeah. It's not as high up there. So. The idea is it should be the best of both worlds. Say the waves can propagate mm. further without necessarily needing that line of sight, but still have, because they're less used, uh, more space for, for traffic and stuff. So I, I am not entirely, like, I haven't super studied up on mid-bands yet, but I know that I've been hearing it a lot in 5G uh, discussions mm-hmm. with these new phone launches. V, you should probably, you, you I don't know, do you have a better understanding of mid-band stuff? So I not really. <laughs> I, I thought that T-Mobile had launched some of their mid-band stuff, and that's yeah, how they sort of fleshed so out their uh, mm-hmm. sort of like broader nationwide 5G network. But mm-hmm. I mean, to your point, like you're, you're having issues. A lot of people I know across carriers, but also with T-Mobile are having just sort of data connection issues. By the way, if it ever comes up, I'm looking into some 5G stuff. So if you have experiences you want people to know about, maybe uh, email. Trying to steal Chris, our audience feed? <laughs> maybe How email chris.velasco at washpost.com. I love and respect <laughs> all of you. That's what I want to hear hmm. from you. What's Sorry, that, what's that email again for, for all your fan mail? chris.velasco at mm-hmm. washpost.com. But you know what to do, folks. 
You know what to do. <laughs> you know, you know um, what? Yeah. Yeah. What yes. other, so what other tech, because we got to get onto phones, folks. So under display cameras for front facing cameras, I feel like that's a thing I saw more and more about, although mm. none of that has impressed me. Mm-mm. Is is there anything else we can really look forward to? It does seem like despite the, you know, a new generation of foldables, it doesn't seem like much is actually happening on the in the phone world this year. From a hardware perspective, I think that's probably true. Like we're still kind of mm-hmm. grappling with all of the things that companies set up last year. So 5G, the sort of shift in in sort of form factors for smartphones. What I'm really kind of interested in tracking for for the rest of 2021 and beyond that too, is just sort of where the industry in the United States lands. Because LG obviously stopped making phones. Yeah. I still I still like cry myself to sleep thinking about it. RIP LG. And they were like a pretty solid third behind Sam's behind Apple and Samsung for for a while, but then not to, not recently. Less less so towards the end. Yeah. But now, but now there's a huge gap just sort of waiting to be picked up. And I think Motorola is gunning for it. Google has made some big claims. Sherlyn and I both spoke to uh, Rick, Osterloh, Rick Osterloh, their head of devices and services. Who he's sort of made very clear that. The, the Pixel 6 is the Google phone, and they're going to invest mm-hmm. in this for success. So maybe we see this landscape yeah. start to shift finally. It'll, it, it only it'll took take a, a decade for like a proper <laughs> Google phone. They've, they've tried this so many times. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the Nexus line, folks. I'm old, old enough to remember so, so many so many things that they've tried. And when they bought Motorola and were like, okay, mm. okay, cheap phones that you can customize. How about that, eh? I eh? loved it, man. I still have my Moto X I loved kicking it. around. That, those that was are great. Phone. Those yeah. are great phones. I love it. I have a couple of those so hanging clean. out. So Yeah. Hardware, not so much. I know there there's some good stuff. I think the next iOS, is it 15 now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm beta testing the new iOS. I love some of the new features in that. So I do think software-wise, we're going to see a lot of benefits. But maybe, I guess for new people, like uh, with the phones coming out, we're expecting whatever the next iPhones are called. I, I really don't think they're going to go with iPhone 13 as a global mm. brand name, but we're all calling mm. it iPhone 13 now, that whole family line. Whatever else, Pixel, Pixel 6s, you know, like mm. other new devices that are coming this year, probably aren't going to be hugely different, I guess, hardware-wise, other than the Ooh. Tensor chips, Shirlin, right? So... The pixels do look remarkably different from previous pixels, yeah, but but if so you're talking good. about like new features we've never seen before besides yeah. chipsets, uh, definitely not. It's all it's yeah, all under not, the hood, right? Google's like, right. okay, we we, we got to do our own stuff now, right? So yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Let's let's move I, on to yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I just think that that's an accurate interpretation, which is that like. For for the next year or so, we're not mm-hmm. going to see like hardware changes be the big competition. I think it is in software that we will see companies push to to make a difference and and compete with each yeah. other. Maybe it's the thing we've been talking about for a while. Like the hardware is is kind of good enough. Like you just got to give yeah. us better software experiences mm-hmm. to really take advantage of that. Let's move on to some of these phone reviews. Um, mm-hmm. It's up to you guys. Like what, pick pick your first Samsung. You know what is really striking your fancy among these foldables. Uh, my first review of the lot, uh, which includes the Fold 3, the Watch 4 series, uh, is actually the, of the Flip 3, the Galaxy Z Flip 3. It's mm-hmm. their 6.7-inch phone that you can fold down in half. It's got a larger external display than before. And, you know, like, we usually, I like, I like to talk about behind-the-scenes stuff on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when we when we were making the decision, for me, I, I personally just felt that, like, it's the most interesting. I'm, I want to use it the most. I would, it's the first time, a phone has been a foldable phone has been priced like 
like a mm-hmm. like a regular flagship. Um, so I just went with my gut that way. But then in talking to our other reviewer friends, like uh, you know, guests on last week's podcast, Michael Fisher and more. It looks like all of us were we're gonna start with a flip three. We're we're mostly interested in the flip three more than the huh. fold when it comes to the two. Um, but of course, listener or viewer, if you disagree, let me know. That review. Well, let me is just say, I do feel like the the flip love is kind of surprising. Just looking at this new stuff because we are so addicted to our phones, guys. Don't we? We're so used to just like taking our phone out of our you know bags or whatever or mm-hmm. pockets and just just looking at the screen. Yeah. What good is That's a flip phone where you kind of have your impulse? Your impulse is always to have it open. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Like, when do you well, actually flip it closed? V, you don't, tell me. Do, do you I, feel uh, differently? No, I completely disagree. Like, I same. Maybe, maybe same. it's just me. Maybe it's a person. Maybe I'm a person who just like really used to be obsessed with this stuff, and now is maybe growing up a little bit. Like, I mm-hmm. am mm-hmm. completely of the mind that I don't need to be looking at a phone screen all the time. Right. So what I mm-hmm. what I really like about the Flip Three, in addition to it being a very affordable entry point for people who've always wondered about foldables but never really got the chance to try them, is is the sort of <laughs> Not to get philosophical, but the sort of physical remove that it gives you from Mm -hmm. the rest of this digital world that we've steeped ourselves in, right? Like, I can do exactly what I need to on this, what is it, a 6.7-inch display. It works just like a regular smartphone. And then when I don't need it, when I want to just be a person again, I can fold it and put it away and just, like, try and live my life. It's nice. It's like phone jail. You're putting your phone in phone jail (laughs) away from me, like – be gone, yeah. you devil. Yeah. Here's 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 the thing. I fully agree with V. And if if anything, it actually re- brings up like a, a trend both in software and this version of hardware um, that we might start seeing in the smartphone world. The the companies trying to offer means for you to disconnect, and it's been happening mm-hmm. for a while, right? But if you think about digital well being, if you think about uh, iOS notification profiles that are coming up in fifteen, these are these are meant to help you manage your work-life balance a little bit better, right? And I don't think that the Flip 3 was necessarily designed to do that. That's what but, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I agree with you there. But yeah. when you're closing the screen and you're putting it away, <laughs> it does feel like I'm done, I'm yeah. going to focus and live in the moment for a while. That said, that said, uh, you can also do the same by flipping over your regular uh-huh. smartphone just, on its face. Just turn your phone, like just put, put, yeah, put it just in away. It, it, it seems like Samsung's big goal was... Uh, uh, the phone goes click the phone goes click that's that's it that's it. not i'm not even thinking about like you know health and well-being and this stuff it's like the phone goes burr basically yeah. like that that's all i'm thinking <laughs> um so how is this flip three versus the last couple of models because you guys have seen all of them is it better because of the price is it an actual good buy is it durable you know is the hardware as good as an actual rectangle phone beef so I, Sherlyn, I want to get your specific take on some of these things yeah. because I have not done a full review of the right, Flip right. 3 yet. But I got to say, of of as we've said, of the two foldables that Samsung announced, this is the one that most clearly speaks to me. This is what we led with in our coverage just because it's it feels like a big milestone for Samsung. And I got to say, day to day, this is the phone I've been using more and I have very few yes. complaints. The cameras are not like yes. the best cameras in the world. So uh, it is a downgrade, the, right? Because they have to make some camera-wise, they have to make some concessions to flip. To it's a minor, such a minor. I don't like, think, so yeah. in my yeah, in my review, I said that um, they basically hold their own against regular flagships. So the the biggest difference between this and the iPhone 12 
series or the Pixel 6, 5 series and the S21 is the is that it's only dual cameras. There most other phones in this price have triple cameras. So fine, whatever. Do I need the third ultra wide slash telephoto lens? Not all the time. I'm not and and the digital zoom on the flip was fine. I haven't uh published my camera samples yet, but I if you watched our review video already, you'll notice uh in the video there are cuts to side by side comparisons against Pixel Five. So, which I think was the I mean my it's my personal gold standard for for photos uh, on a phone anyway. V, you have you done that sort of head to head testing in terms of the Flip Three's cameras? Pretty, I mean, like pretty cursory level of yeah, testing yeah, yeah. of the camera stuff so far. It's, you know, for the way I kind of think about cameras now is is perhaps a little less technical than I did yeah. when I reviewed for Engadget. But, you know, I, I think the the differences in just general photo quality in, in the situations yeah. that people are most likely to use these things in. So like bright daylight, yeah. low light situations, there's... I, I would still oh probably God. give like a pixel the edge. I mean, Google's right, computational right. photography is just that good. But exactly. Samsung in this phone is really not that far behind. They have come a long way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really curious though. So what has your experience been like with the Z Flip 3's battery? Exactly. So I... Uh, <laughs> Man, I wish I could go super behind the scenes, but I don't want to break someone's confidence. So I will just say that like <laughs> all the people I've been talking to have had shorter battery life than usual with the Flip 3. And I agree. I For me, it in my review, I said this as well. Uh, it can, never goes a full day without a charge. Uh, it definitely needs to be plugged in at the end of the day, at the very least, um, if not at the start of your day. So it's I'm still finishing our battery test because I didn't have that much time to run battery tests on this thing. Um, but it, it in my daily use is about like 12-ish to 15-ish hours before like I need to plug it back in, depending on whether I have enabled the always-on display on the outside screen. Mm-hmm. And the device, despite having higher refresh rate than its predecessor, a larger external display than its predecessor, and new stereo speaker setup, it's only got the same 3,300 milliamp hour battery. Yeah. It's the same size battery doing all these new things. So, so of course, its battery life mm-hmm. is going to suffer. But if, I also don't think mm-hmm. that Samsung was going to be able to find space to jam in more cells for this yeah. or a bigger cell. Let's um, say on, on a folding phone like this, too, you're probably constrained with the way you do battery yes. stuff, right? Because it all has to be in one half. If you do it no, on it, the other is it is it spread across both halves? Yeah, Samsung did is dual battery thing. So it's two mm-hmm. little cells that are about, I think, uh, 1,250. No, my math is failing because I have no okay. sleep. But 1,150-ish, <laughs> sort of. And then they add up to mm-hmm. 3,300, yeah. Okay, okay. So they they are doing something. Are you finding that you actually have to have to fold it? Like, do, do you enjoy the folding action? Do you enjoy putting folding. it away? What? Yeah, Apparently man, looking from the great. video. Yeah. You enjoy yeah. it? Yeah. All I... I, I never have it open. V, tell me if you're doing this differently. I never have it open. I no, always just, I mean, when I'm done with it, yeah. It's just, I flip it shut. The only reason I have it open right now is because I was running a battery test. And yes, when I was mm-hmm. running the battery test, I left the screen open. Otherwise, it's always closed. Yeah. I like it that way. But, V, I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, when I when I shut it and I put it somewhere that's only ever so slightly uneven, it's slippery as hell. It just starts to like slide right off. You know, it's so <laughs> funny that that hasn't happened to me because I think everyone in this chat right now can confirm mm-hmm. that I am the clumsiest person that you maybe sure has are. ever <laughs> worked in and gadget. And I have not dropped this thing once. I'm 
utterly shocked. And this is before. So Samsung also sent out a little bit later, like these little Case. cases to try out. Um, and I, I only just put these things on. But before that, I was sort of treating this thing the way I always did, which is to say kind of like a big dummy. And it's been pretty <laughs> much fine. I'm honestly very impressed. So do you have the case on? Oh, yeah. So I, I did just take it off because I'm a like nervous, fidgety person. But uh, I've been free balling my my I free ball as well. But the case. So they sent over like the sort of fun silicone case with a hook. Yeah. They also sent over this, uh, which, again, doesn't really play in the audio version. But here's the sort Uh of leather version, which kind of covers up this cream finish. Nice. Yeah, it's it's. It, it actually folds. It's like a wallet. That's yes, nice. it's two halves that just attach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But okay. it's actually, it doesn't add a whole lot of heft. It's still pretty comfortable to use with the case on, which is rarely the situation for me. Did Did you get the fun case with the extra strap in a bright color? I, I got the fun case in a not fun color. I think it was like dark uh, blue. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's neon <laughs> pink for some reason. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. Sherlyn, you said you had mm-hmm. a fun story about this. Writing this review, I wanted to describe... The crease. I wanted to find a way to explain that tactile feeling of scrolling past the crease on the screen because I enjoy it. It somehow feels sensual uh-huh. to me. Well, and uh, uh, mm, <laughs> uh, okay. this is uh, like some elbow crease action. Like uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna shame no, no, your kinks. No, no. But okay, no, it's it's not. I mean, that's not my kink. But but yeah. I mean, people keep asking, right? Like, oh, is there mm-hmm. still on it? Look, this at this point, we're in the third generation. They're never going away. <laughs> I feel like, and we're all fine with it. And I wanted to be like, look, if you you scroll right past it, it, it feels sexy. So I was looking for a word to describe this. And in my review, I wrote. Um, Scrolling past, it feels like a soft, naked tendon. What and are my you editor, about? Yeah, my editor Terrence was like, "Why are you so gross?" I was like, "But it's it's exactly." I don't know if you agree. Then you I don't go stroking on, tendons for fun. <laughs> what is I this? Do. I don't know. I, I, um, this but, is how you can tell Sherlyn doesn't cook, by the way, because uh, when I think of tendons, I think of like I hard cook. muscles yeah. that you have to, like, <laughs> I don't cook tendons. You cook, cook breast meat a lot. Um, no, but the word I was. I realized much later on in our second round of edits that I, I was looking for uh-huh. uh, is something else that I might not want to say on air, but it starts with the letter N um, and it's on your chest. Oh, I, I see. It, that's uh, that's kind of it's more not what really I was protruding. For. I don't it's think not, it's not protruding. Again, again, I think elbow, elbow crease is kind of what you're looking for. Be. Like sp- literally the thing in your body that bends v, and folds. Well, yeah, but V, what? Like when you start? <laughs> yeah, tell me what you feel. I, like. I'm <laughs> I'm physically touching this crease right now, and, and I do not understand. You, what you have to like scroll past it. You have to like be stroking I'm, it. A little I'm bit. I'm stroking it. I'm doing I'm exactly. To, I'm gonna have to like slowly. hit eject. Let's hit eject here, right here. <laughs> I will say, though, that I understand why people would be concerned about having a crease and what it would feel like as you're kind of flicking around it. But in my experience, because this is sort of a taller, narrower display than what some people might be used to, I honestly don't even touch it that much. Like most Mm, of my scrolling tends to just happen in the bottom half of the screen naturally. And my thumb never gets close to the crease. Yeah, you're you're just like, yeah, you've trained yourself to to avoid that that one bit of imperfection. mm. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to. I don't think that's what yeah, that was, but fine. I haven't. No, I done think in general we all we all do the bottom half. Yeah. I, I mean, it's much easier, but every now and then I'll scroll past it, and it just feels so good to me. But speaking of just <laughs> using the bottom half of the display, I will say uh-huh. this: 
I never knew that that's what flex mode ended up being actually useful for. Now, on the Flip 3, there's this thing called flex mode, which actually uh -huh. kind of splits the UI in half. So you have like navigational elements in the bottom half and then like your content's actually at the top. Um, and I thought this was really... The way they demonstrate it, a lot of the time, they're just propping it up on a table and then like yeah. the control panels, the dial Watch pad, some YouTube the videos on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. It's actually more useful if you're just trying to use it as like a one-handed thing if you're on the subway, if ever, or you're leaning back on your couch. And for me, like I can't reach things across the screen because uh -huh. the 6.7-inch screen and that narrow, tall aspect ratio make it really actually hard to reach certain elements. But flex mode made it easier. Have you have you had this experience, V? I honestly haven't used it that much. Like it mm. just, it feels like a bit of a contrivance if I'm honestly it. like, it's it's a reason that you can use this phone partially folded <laughs> if you want to, but mm -hmm. like none of my like actual day-to-day -day yeah. use cases ever benefit from that really. It, it seems more yeah. like, hey, this is a, this is kind of like an accidental thing that happens because we have this foldable, right? right. So let's, right. let's build right. a little software around it. It looks cool. Yeah, like, I think yeah. it's cool. If if you were sitting in like a coffee shop and you just had this thing like propped up next to you, yeah, I would think like, oh, we're we're kind of like in the future here. So that's cool. Anything else you guys want to add about the Flip Three? Like, especially as we move on to the Fold Three. To me, again, it, it seems like excitement for the Fold is kind of dying because people are like, hey, the, the Flip is cheaper. It gets you some yeah. of that folding action. Maybe maybe we should pay more attention to that. Are you at all impressed with the Fold Three? it's the full 2.5 right like is yeah. that fair to say like I, it's, it's the full 2.5 with s pen support yes and this That's this it. is coming from a guy who was a incredible you, genius last year and bought, bought, yeah. bought a fold too and i really like it and like the uh -huh. the delta and experience is physically in terms of the hardware is so far seemingly minimal but what samsung really did well here and and what I ha do have to give them credit for is they finally got around to making the software yeah. considerably more usable. Like it mm -hmm. feels yeah. much more capable now. One big thing to that point is now you have, you have a way to force Instagram to take up the whole screen. <laughs> so you don't have those like blurry background things flanking either side of it in tablet modes. Now also the big, thing I think that V was alluding to is that a lot of apps default to their tablet version now where available, um, or you can set it to do that. And you can set your default aspect ratio for apps to launch yeah. in various uh, uh, configurations. So that makes a world of difference when you're using that bigger screen, I think. I don't know that's if, good. if that's the main difference you're talking about, V. Mm -hmm. That's definitely part of it. And so part of this is built into Samsung's Labs feature, which is like a yes. setting menu that you can jump into and sort of enable right. different aspect ratios for some apps that don't natively support this kind of phone. And like it definitely does help. It's not, to be clear, perfect. Instagram mm -hmm. is like the one example we keep coming back to because it's the probably the most used app that just does not know what to do with this kind of device. <laughs> yeah. And even if you switch it to like four by three aspect uh -huh. ratio, so it kind of fills the screen, like it looks good as you're scrolling through the feed. But I don't know if you've noticed this, Sherlyn, like stories are cut off. So yeah. like it's still. This, mm. this is an Android problem, isn't it? Like we talked about this with the full two. And this goes back to like our years of reviewing Android tablets. You say they go into Android tablet app mode, but that is, those don't exist. Like, not, very, yeah, not, they don't, not really. Right, right, You know, right, right, it's right, a yeah. blown totally. up, it's the phone app blown up for a bigger yeah. screen, but that's it. It's not like an iPad uh, optimized version of a, yeah. of a tablet app. I've seen this issue with uh, 
three screens in total at this point. One, the flex, uh, the flex, the fold threes uh, inside screen. Two, mm-hmm. the fold threes outside screen. And three, the flip threes inside screen. All of them are in such uncommon aspect ratios that apps just, you know, <laughs> some apps just don't know what the hell to do with it. So my, uh, the, yeah. this one app that I've been using a lot lately is Settlers of Catan the Game, which... I it's it's a it's a kind of indie, not the most put together game, you know. So it's like, and and is the only that's one of the world's most popular board game apps. Yes, or board games in general. Games. They and they don't the have a fully app, put together exactly. Android app. Exactly, it's it works. The app works. It's like it's uh-huh. it's very it's a little backward. It feels like an app from nineteen ninety nine. Sometimes the reason I bring this up is because this app on some of these screens will like the. Content disappears outside the screen sometimes. So buttons that I need to press, I just can't find them because they're under, like they've just disappeared. They've overflowed into the the edges. Um, And so far, the Catan app is one I've seen this happen with. Um, But I'm not sure if you've seen this ever, Fee. I haven't run into that so much. Though to be fair, I'm I'm not testing the Z Fold 3 perhaps quite as rigorously as I as I would have mm. in the past. So, mm. uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to take your word on this one. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, we have pictures of it in the video of the Flip 3 review so far. But, again, like, one thing, too, that you point out that tablet apps, uh, Devendra, aren't, aren't great on uh, Android anyway, I, I kind of want to make that very clear to whoever's tuning in what we mean by, like, a good tablet app, right? Because if you haven't, used iPad OS maybe or you haven't used a good iPad tablet app you just won't know it's it's when the navigation and and the layout is designed fully to make use of the space so like your your navigation row or column is within f- your fingers reach or something and and the space like you have a pane for messaging on the right but then your left can be now devoted to like the rest of your inbox and you can like scroll through them so it's like just making instead of the message taking up your entire screen and then like you still have to reach all the way to the top left to go back or something like that. So I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about a well-designed tablet app. Mm-hmm, and on mm-hmm. Android, there's a dearth of them. There's, there's basically a, which, a which makes the point of having like a big, big screen phone kind of kind of pointless to me. How is the Fold 3 experience? Like is the screen better? Is Does it feel better to fold? Is it Does it feel more durable? Like those are the questions I really have with this thing. I don't know about you, Shirley. Like I, I, I think it. I think the screen does feel better. And again, this is maybe because I've lived with the, the Fold Two screen for a year. <laughs> oh, for sure, which, yeah. Which is fine. It's not a bad screen at all. But there's just it's just a little gummy. And after a while, I think anyone with a Fold Two would probably tell you this. Like the internal screen protector will, will sort of bubble up, starting at the crease, at the edges of the crease, and then work their way towards the middle. So we don't know yet if that is an issue that is fixed in this. But at the very least, the screen, because of some additional uh, sort of plastic layers under there, yep. uh, does go a long way in sort of making the screen feel a bit more like actual glass. It's a little sturdier, mm-hmm. which is, again, also helpful because the S Pen, it's very pokey. You're going to spend a lot of time yeah. just jabbing at this thing. So that extra durability is really helpful. I worry about the S Pen because, yeah, that screen quality does we'll does not see. seem conducive to pokey, pokey sci-li. So I, I <laughs> yeah. want to jump in and add to, to what V said, which is that, yes, I, I didn't use the old Fold, the, the Fold 2 anyway, all that much. So I can't tell you like exactly the nitty gritty of how much 
different it feels, but I can spell out to you the difference, which is uh, 120 hertz refresh rate on the screen, uh, on the outside screen now, in addition to the inside. Uh, and I know that a lot of people used to complain about the outside screen being a little too narrow. I, I don't mind it, but in this way, like I was trying to use the, I've been using the Fold 3 as a sort of main driver since I stopped, finished, like since I finished my review of the Flip 3 basically. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like neither aspect ratio really works that well for me. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, there's no happy medium. I kind of, I, I way prefer my smartphone's size because it's not so tall and I don't really always want to interact with it as a tablet. So that's, that's kind of what I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, v, to your point about the internal screen protector bubbling up sometimes, I, I think that with the new like flexible PET protector, it, I think that's what they've done to like minimize that issue because it now stretches with the screen. We'll see. That, sure. that problem literally only started happening to me after 10 months of use. So yeah. we'll, okay. we'll yeah, see yeah. about that. that that's, yeah, not bad. that's not bad for a $2,000 phone. Like it lasts 10 months. <laughs> Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. what, is, what is the price for the Fold 3 compared to the Flip 3, guys? 1800 uh, for the Fold 3. Right down from what two thousand was it two thousand or like yeah. nineteen? The original price was yeah. The original price was like two nineteen ninety nine nineteen eighty, but basically two thousand. You know what you can get for that money? You could you could get a Razer Blade fifteen with an NVIDIA RTX thirty seventy GPU. Like you you could get so much for that Damn. money. For sure, uh, you could you could easily buy like probably you could probably get a decent deal on an iPad Pro and like an iPhone twelve. Like you better be able to. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, you could. You could. You certainly could. Um, I think. Okay. I think. I, mm -hmm. I. I think. Yeah. This is the device that's definitely more like this is two devices in one, and it's more premium mm -hmm. and, and more components, and that's why they're more. It's more expensive, and I get it. But like as a reminder, or in case we you don't know, the Flip Three now costs a thousand dollars as opposed to twelve hundred between twelve hundred and thirteen hundred before. Which mm -hmm. now I feel like it's a better price. Will it ever be? a good price enough for mainstream yeah i i mean yes it will there will be price mm -hmm. drops and whatnot but like whether or not this is something you want to use as your main phone mm -hmm. oh man it's almost there like it's so close but like i also just don't know that we need a folding mm -hmm. phone yet yeah. yeah oh after all this after spending <laughs> an hour talking about folding phones we get to the truth which is what i'm saying <laughs> I don't think we really need these things. Uh, okay. We've got other phones to talk about. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on these? Is, is that basically your main takeaway? You still don't know if folding phones are worth it? Yeah. Unfortunately, that still very much seems to be the case. Like these phones are great. These are the best foldables that have ever been made. And they're more polished and more ready than ever for people to actually Agreed. start using them. But they're just, aside from like the fun of being able to flip your phone closed and put it aside or with a device like the Fold 3, being able to just like swap between relatively functional device types. Like no one's no one's really thinking about this. No mm -hmm. one, it very much feels like a solution to a yeah. problem. People aren't really clamoring for a fix. For. Mm -hmm. It is Whereas, interesting and exciting, mm -hmm. but definitely not the most necessary in our lives right yeah. now. The S-Pen is great problems, though. The S-Pen is great. The main problems <laughs> I think of on a consumer level is battery life, which it sounds like <laughs> these things aren't, that great and durability and long term like how long will this those are hard last? to tell right now yeah yeah so um yeah. hey speaking of things that uh speaking of things that nobody really actually needs but some people might just want i also got to play with the tom brown edition of all of these devices <laughs> okay sure Let's look i'm not saying you it. need it, it but the aesthetic 
uh, the aesthetic, which is it's fine. lines. Do you, do you lines. Like it? This it's, is it's not red, lines. white, and blue lines. It's this basically the Olympics. Interesting. <laughs> they're they're not just any all. lines. They're <laughs> they're Tom Brown red, white, and blue lines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I I would just say this. Go check out the article that's on Engadget because I also mm-hmm. managed to interview Tom Brown himself to talk about the collaboration, what it takes to style a Tom mm-hmm. Brown edition of foldables. <laughs> etc etc mm-hmm. so check it out but i in person i think they're really pretty so to be honest i would love to see like more designer collabs on like on tech you know on yeah. tech design well there's been because yeah there's been more. some there's, there's a, been some yeah. there's but I'm quite a few more. now in, in yeah. phones like real me i think just had an interesting collab mm-hmm. with naoto fukasawa maybe i think that's correct sure but like yeah in the U.S. at least, it, phone design, unfortunately, tends to be a little more conventional because peop, these people have to move units. They need stuff that like yeah. reaches to everybody. And I got to tell almost, you, Tom Brown mm-hmm. is just like, this is ridiculous. You made – it's three lines. You you made a <laughs> rectangle with three lines. You what are rectangle. you What are you doing? Like you got paid on, for that? Are you serious? Anyway. On the Galaxy but, Buds 2 is basically <laughs> the uh, French flag but color reversed. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Sherlyn's like, so you spelled Tom with an H. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, love I was it. so confused when I found out he was American. I was like, wait, T-H-O-N? I love your aesthetic. American? You're so unique. It's amazing. Okay, let's move on yes. to the Pixel 5a. Which A seems, much more reasonably hey, priced phone. Dan completely Earth, on, on the opposite end of the spectrum. What is up with this thing? Because it also seems like I, I read a review um, and the headline by our, one of our Terrence managing O'Brien. editors, Terrence O'Brien. His title is The 4A 5G Wasn't Broken, So Google Didn't Fix It. And that that's Pro- it. That's the review. Pro- yeah. Proper credit where it's due. I think yeah. our editor-in-chief, Dana Woolman, came up with that headline. And it's really, really great. That's I it. love it. I had the pleasure of editing uh, Terrence's review for this one. Oh. And uh, <laughs> it was, Yeah. Uh, and reading it and and having one myself, I fully agree with him. Basically, if you look at the actual changes to the five A, um, it added water resistance. <laughs> okay, and and I th- I think maybe a slightly bigger battery so that it's like insanely okay. long lasting right now. Yeah. Water uh, resistance is good, by the way. I, I shouldn't laugh yes, because I think it is an essential important. feature to every yes. single phone. It's Everything much more essential than wireless charging, which this phone yes. does not have. And also Absolutely. computers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no one. Well, when the 4A was launched, no one complained about the lack of wireless charging. But I am at least Engadget did complain about the lack of water resistance. So good, good improvement here at Google. But I believe that's it because the chipset is the same. The RAM is the same. <laughs> screen is the same. The cameras are the same. Is the design the same? Like, is it pretty, pretty much? much. There's that's a, funny. The, it's still kind of black. <laughs> Well, so There's the 4A the 4A 5G was a weird device, right? Because they released the 4A and ha- the 5G came mm-hmm. like a couple of months after, yes. right? Yes. The 4A 5G was launched with the Pixel 5 a, a mm-hmm. few months later and uh, mm-hmm. for slightly more money. But but the difference is mm-hmm. the 4A is this cheap $350 yes. phone with a 6.1 or 6.2, I can't remember the exact dimension now, inch screen. So it's a smaller phone. The 4A 5G is a little bit bigger. It's got like a six point six five inch screen i can't numbers again i'm sorry with the exact <laughs> details right now um but it also had like 5g support whereas the original 4a i believe doesn't um and 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 then it costs like a hundred dollars or 200 oh, actually 150 dollars more about 499 this time around the, four, the 5a costs 450 
and and then it's a 45G. <laughs> it's like a, it's a cheaper 45G with water resistance. I don't know what else. What other differences are there, V? That's it. And frankly, that's enough. Like I love sure, if, sure. In, in covering in covering all of this stuff. There are two things that I absolutely love. I love completely ridiculous, over the top, almost concept like devices that somehow find their way to market, mm-hmm. like the Z Fold, like the LG Wing. And mm-hmm. on the other end, I absolutely love cheap, good phones. Yes. Yes. And this is yes. a love cheap, yes. good phone. Like the yes. Pixel 3A XL. To me, it's still probably the best Android phone of all time because uh-huh. it ran like a dream. Android was super clean. The camera was solid. Battery life was insane. Like, yeah. what else does someone need? And because that phone doesn't exist anymore, the Pixel 5a just kind of fits into where that phone left off. I absolutely love this thing. So I, I think for the past couple of years, the A phones have been the goodbyes, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah. Don't. Don't spend that money on the premium phone when you can get some of the last gen tech with a slightly new case and some better stuff. Like it seems smarter for most people. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 the phone that shows that like Google wants to reach the masses uh as well and is thinking about like, you know, accessibility that way. Uh, I will I will say I have an anecdote that like for mm-hmm. so I, I was helping Terrence out with this review because we were so pressed for time, all of us, and Terrence very kindly offered to review this phone on my behalf so that I don't have to be reviewing five phones at once. But the battery test I ran on my 5A, uh, holy crap, it lasted like 22 and a half hours on our Good. battery test. And that's the Good. longest it you know a phone's ever lasted i think on our test which is just video looping but before i gave before i tested this phone i was trying to run um a, a fully complete the 4a5g's battery test uh for him because i wasn't able to complete it the last time around and i went and i did the test and everything and i was like wait why is the number so low i realized i had <laughs> run my battery test on the 3axl <laughs> instead what? of the 4a5g <laughs> This is how many phones I have at home with me. Wow. I really we need have to, to declutter. We have I do. To, I need to, to. So much stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you look behind me uh, on our live stream, it's a, it's a mess in my office. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but TLDR, basically, Pixel 5a is good. Is good. Good get if you can get it. So, Trillin, to your earlier point about this being like a a mass market play, that's totally true. But because of like chip supply constraints Mm -hmm. and just sort of the state of the world right now, this phone is only available in the US and Japan. Yep. So, sorry, everybody. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that, that's like other things that are very prevalent in the U.S. right now and that the rest of the world doesn't have it. Uh, it there, there's a lot of unfairness like, going on okay. in this country, like yeah. vaccines, which yeah. Americans aren't taking. Sherlyn, uh, yes. you have one other one thing, which, um, again, mm. a thing that I don't think many people are going to buy. But do you not. did Just look do at not. The, the smartphone do for Snapdragon buy. Insiders. What what's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah 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 yeah. We've and talked we about talked this about phone. this. Yeah, it seems yes. like a joke because it, it, it was mm-hmm. sadly not a joke. It was uh, not even just a concept device that Sam Snap, uh, Qualcomm was trying to do. It's it's called the Snap smartphone for Snapdragon insiders, but anyone can buy it. And I think that that's kind of why we we reviewed yeah. it because should you should you buy it should should anyone. <laughs> It's a $1,500 phone with a 6.8 I believe eight inch screen mm-hmm. uh, that's basically a showcase for all of Qualcomm's 
strengths or so it says right and so things like this, 5G, this by the way we're looking at the review here one of the lowest scores i think you've ever given it yes <laughs> i wanted to give it much lower and then i was like i don't 62. need to be. Wow. Well, the part of part of the reason is it was a very frustrating review process because mm-hmm. Qualcomm throughout the thing was a. First of all, they were like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> don't publish it this day. Publish it another day." Because they <laughs> cool. cheat. Yeah, love it. And then and then another and then you know like a week later was like, "Oh, <laughs> sorry, uh, the OTA update for the camera is not ready yet, but the XO says we have this score though. It's like really good." And then like based on my testing, is crap. And they're like, "No, the OTA update yeah. will fix that." But none of it, like I couldn't get the OTA update until after. So you, y'all, is, I'm not going to review yeah. a phone based on promises for you. This is when we were like, Qualcomm, you are not a phone company. This is why you are a chip, well, you know, so, design company. And yeah. to be clear, they they worked with Aces on this. So mm-hmm. Aces has made some good phones, and a lot. Sure, I think I've seen some sure. reviews that call this sort of an alternate ROG phone, which it sort of is, right? Its screen has a 144 hertz refresh rate. It's got a nice big battery that lasted long. Um, it's got you know it's a showcase for Snapdragon sound. It comes with a pair of uh, Master and Dynamic earbuds uh, with that price, uh, and then you got like super fast charging, which wasn't that fast anyway, but. And then like very basic triple camera setup, 64 megapixel main sensor, and then wide and ultra wide or ultra wide and telephoto. Um, But yeah, just overall underwhelming. A lot of the things that we wanted to test weren't ready, like again, Snapdragon sound. And then just, I don't know, that design just looks old and boring to me. (laughs) Is it it, like, do you like it? So so quick uh, point of order, I have not touched this phone. I've not seen this phone in person. I do not understand why yep. it exists even yep. a little bit. Like I understand uh-huh. that Qualcomm wants to flex and show off how cool they are at you know image yep. processing and 5G and all of that stuff. But is this phone demonstrably better at any mm-hmm. of those things, Shalyn? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, so the other thing is, I was like, 5G is going to be a good thing to test, and then I was, and then I thought about it a little deeper, and I was like, <laughs> 5G is going to depend on your carrier and your coverage area. So why am I like no? I'll test it, but like everyone's experience is going to be different depending on where you are and who you're on. So what's a, what's the, great on you, Qualcomm, for supporting 5G so well, but there's so many other factors at play. God, yep, look at absolutely. this thing. So what a joke. Let me just say, dear, dear listeners, we will not talk about this phone ever again. No, like, this no more is, done. This is the one time we will ever do it, but... Qualcomm has in the past, like when they have big chip updates, they do these like concept devices. So like big chunky phones are like, hey, this has all of our power charging tech and this has all of our like, you know, 3D graphics tech or something. Just a way to show these things off. I'm not sure what what Galaxy Brain over there decided, Mm -hmm. like, let's turn that into (laughs) a phone, like into again in one of the most highly competitive gadget markets like in the world, like given Apple is just like running, like doing incredible things with the iPhone. Google's trying so hard. Samsung is like throwing yeah. folding devices everywhere. <laughs> Qualcomm's like, we, we we got we got one for our insiders. Our chips still exist. Who? Forget Who? about Tensor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's God. like I I I one last one quick thing I will say again, just an anecdotal thing is um at least testing this device with the one forty four hertz refresh rate and one millisecond like uh, input um phone forced me to do things like play call of duty mobile season six uh-huh, and uh really? I'm, i enjoyed it i might be into <laughs> Wait, fps games is this now? your first oh, shooter boy. that you've ever played Were I you mean, playing yeah, on, on, a, on mobile yeah on mobile exactly i'm just like oh shoot i like shooters now okay are you a, all are right you i mean i played 
I played zombie shooting games definitely uh-huh. in the past. But like, Shirley, CO- are you a real gamer now? I think I might be. <laughs> One quick question related to all of it. This is part of like an initiative, right? Like Qualcomm, a chip mm. maker that doesn't make phones, is trying to build up a community of people who oh. really like the chips that they make that go into phones that they don't make. So, like, what can you can you I know you've spoken to Qualcomm Mm. about this at least a little bit. Like, can you can you enlighten us a bit as to why they might think this is a smart idea? I believe you are talking about the famed, the legendary, the smart dragon, the smart dragon, the Snapdragon (laughs) Insider program. I can't even Mm -hmm. say it right. Y'all, I apologize. My brain is sleep deprived. Anyway, those weeks. uh, The Snapdragon Insiders program, very similar to Microsoft Insider or like. I can't think of what else offhand there has an insight. OnePlus has its communities and forums, right? So like, I think Qualcomm looked at them and were like, hey, fans are great. We, I want we, some. We want some. <laughs> <laughs> and was like, why don't, why don't we just make one and then offer some yeah. perks so that people sign up? And I believe that there are people who are into tech and specs sheets enough to be like, Hells yeah, I'm going to sign up for this. I mean, the the lure of freebies and early testing of certain features probably also yeah. drew some of these for people. Fair. But uh, I personally have yeah. not, don't care. It's, and also, uh, this it's not that exclusive. They're, they're in such a weird spot because they're not even like Intel, you know, when it comes <laughs> to at least getting some sort of brand loyalty. I think like mm. people will fight like, oh, my Samsung phone has a better Qualcomm chip than your Samsung phone or something. But it's not like their identity is built around the Qualcomm-ness of it. Um, I'm getting a lot of like the how do you do fellow kids meme here, basically, <laughs> with, with this whole move. So hopefully oh, yeah. Qualcomm thinks better. Do you guys have anything else to add about this or the, the next gen of phones? I'll just say they're coming. So <laughs> Yes, I, I agree. There will be more yes. phones. There will be I, more I phones. Will... And, yeah. and, and I'll you... also say, sorry, one last note on that. Uh, uh, if you are a Snapdragon insider, like you signed up and like eagerly were like, oh, hells yeah, I'm a Qualcomm fan. Please send us an email at podcast at Engadget.com and, say, and why? we'll send you a care package. And say why. Yeah, please. <laughs> and is also, it, is it a, is it a you... legally binding promise? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> if you spell, if you're a Tom that spells your name with an H, Sherlin wants to talk with you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Let's move on to some other news, and uh, I got a I got a weird one for you guys. Um, Facebook has announced Horizon Workrooms, which is a VR meeting place, and uh, this is pretty wild. Uh, I wrote it up for us in Gadget, and I think I've seen a bunch of spins on like VR collaboration and like you know basically recreating in person meetings. Uh, a company called Spatial has been doing that for a while. Uh, this thing is Facebook's spin on it, and I I just really dug it. So I'd recommend uh, go check out the trailers for this thing. Um, it runs on the Quest 2. Um, I basically mapped the edge of my desk, and when I hopped into this meeting demo, um, my virtual desk was right where my real desk is, and that's something I just always love. Like that, that basically mix of the real and virtual worlds always feels good when I'm in VR. Um, and I looked around and there are other journalists like former, you know, uh, uh, guest on the show, Scott Stein from CNET. Uh, we were all just sitting around a table just chatting and it was using Facebook's uh, hand gesture technology, um, like finger recognition technology on the Quest 2. So we could actually, you know, 
speak like we normally do. I could throw a thumbs up to somebody. It was all really cool. And it just reminded me that, man, I miss in-person meetings and uh, yeah, I'm missing out with you guys, but I miss being in a meeting space with other people, like collaborating together, working together, building something together. I never get that feeling on a video chat. You know, a video chat, if it's a couple people, sure, maybe it can be fun. Like when we plan this podcast, I, I enjoy doing that. But if it's like five to 10 people, if it's a whole group of people, there are a lot of problems with video chats when it comes to collaboration, right? Video chat, all the audio comes in on one channel. You know, it is hard to make eye contact with people. And that is kind of something VR solves because when I put on this helmet, I'm in this virtual world, everybody, um, it uses spatial audio. So everybody sounds appropriately far from me as they should. So somebody sitting next to me would sound pretty close. Scott Stein was several uh, seats away. He sounded really far. Andrew Bosworth, the head of VR at Facebook, was like way at the other end of the table. And he he sounded even more distant. So it felt very real and natural. And like you get a sense of like actually being in space. I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you guys this. At one point, um, we had a surprise guest pop in, Mark Zuckerberg himself. Uh, he sat in the seat right next to me. And that is when it should start to get really real, I think. Like that is when I was like, oh, this is this is a little awkward now. Because I can't just like with my avatar, like I would maybe in an MMO or something, I can't just like look at him or stare at him because then it's like you're staring <laughs> at an actual person, right? And I also have to be like, this is the fifth richest man in the world, right? I should be, I should not make him fool of myself. So I was like, okay, keep my hands cool, you know, may, pay attention to him, uh, you know, try to be respectful. Uh, there is some footage that will not be shown in public, uh, unfortunately, or thankfully for me of just Zuckerberg talking and me right next to him, basically doing these wild VR hand gestures uh, because uh, the finger tracking technology was not super accurate at times. Like I was typing on my keyboard, but it looked like I was doing interpretive dance next to him. So, you know, th there are pluses and minuses of holding meetings in VR. Sherlyn, what's up? You have a question. Did, did, you, did, did it do eye tracking? Is that why you couldn't just kind of shift your eyeballs towards Zuckerberg no, to no, come it see? Doesn't, it no, it doesn't do eye tracking. So in real life, you could be like, you could look in the vague direction of somebody, but right. look at something else. But in VR, it's just like where your head is pointed is where the you know dead virtual the eyes view, are pointed. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eventually, like eye tracking tech is something they're working on VR. Eventually, that could be added to this. Um, I'm just saying I spent an hour in this thing, and I really enjoyed it. It was nice because I got to sit down basically next to other people. Um, I've, I've done this a couple of times with other like VR demos, but I just really enjoy this experience. And there are people from all over, like there are people in California, of course, but there was Scott um, in New Jersey. There were some developers of this in London and we were all just talking with each other, chatting naturally. It was like, I, I had like a magic meeting room, you know, where I could talk to anybody. Um, and the, the whole setup also feels like, uh, you know, a startup office or a startup meeting room to die for. Cause like you were looking out over you know, the lakes and the mountains of the Pacific Northwest and you had beautiful furniture. It just felt like really perfect as a meeting space. And I hope, uh, yeah, I hope to be doing more of these. Uh, it's opening up in public beta today for anybody with the quest two. Um, and it's supporting countries that where the quest two is sold. You can also join via video chat, which is the other thing too. Like, so you create a workrooms account, you don't need a Facebook account. You don't need an Oculus account to basically jump into one of these meetings. So that also makes me think they're like trying to trying to make it uh, a little more open so that even Facebook haters will like come and give it a shot. 
But of course, if you want to use the Quest 2, you need not you need a Facebook account, which is a big downside of that headset for a lot of people. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if you guys have any questions, but it looks cool. I'd recommend you go check out some check out my coverage. We've got a trailer in there. I didn't get to do a video of this one, but you know some of the stuff we've already seen in that trailer just looks really cool. My main question is: uh, the trailer looks like it's you know graphic rendering. Do you have was the space you were in when you describing the view and everything? Was mm-hmm. it like photorealistic? I mean, nothing is photorealistic, but this okay. is, it's the quest. You know, it, it looked really yeah. sharp. It looked like decent quality. The uh, you know, I had to build an avatar, and the avatars look a little cartoonish, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but. It looked, it's clear because it's the Quest 2, which is a pretty, it's a 90 hertz refresh rate. You know, it's a pretty sharp, high resolution VR headset. doesn't have the highest field of view, but it, it looks good. Right. So right. being in that world, like, sure, it's it's not the, the most perfect thing, but I think it looks really cool. Oh, the other thing, it can also mirror your entire PC monitor. Um, so there's a button, basically there's an app where you can stream oh, your desktop cool. into VR world. So I had my keyboard in front of me. I had my mouse. Um if I had specific keyboards, like if I or if I was using like the Apple Magic keyboard, Compatible. it could actually yeah. see the actual keyboard in VR. Um, I didn't, so I, I hit this button to get virtual pass through, so I could see like a camera view of my right. actual keyboard and mouse. But I could I could sit there and I could go on Slack and I could take notes in Evernote, just like a real meeting. It was great. So you could be distracted by your work <laughs> at your work meeting. I love it. Yeah, it's perfect. Put, put one a, more put work in my work. One more, one more uh, thing before I let V say mm-hmm. what he has to say uh, <laughs> is that uh, one observation that our video team, I believe Julio Barrientos, pointed out is that uh, these characters in these trailers have no legs, no lower half you of the body. They're a, not wearing pants. What do you need legs for? Legs. You don't have to hide any knees, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this is true. This is true. Uh, th- this is all above board. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's fine. Uh, another cool thing is that. Uh, there is a virtual whiteboard, which is basically mm. infinite. Like you could just huh. get up and like start like sketching out ideas and brainstorming and doing things like with people. And it goes on for as long as you want. I believe the rooms can hold up to 50 people. Uh, some of the, you know, some of them look like just meeting rooms, but some of them look like uh, seminar rooms or classrooms from college. So you can have somebody doing a presentation up front. I just think it's really cool. And it really speaks to Facebook's new ambition to be basically a metaverse company. I believe Zuck uh, went to went on CBS News this morning to like talk about this whole thing too. Um, yeah, I should. I, I wonder if they even use the footage from our meeting. Um, but this is what Facebook wants to be, you know. And it's really interesting because I was surprised Zuckerberg appeared at all. He only came in for like ten minutes, but he talked about his vision for it and what he wants. And it made me realize like he is genuinely excited about this and this is true whenever i see him talk about vr or he comes to the oculus conference or something like this is the future he wants to build but also he's the guy who's like built this incredibly huge social network and is still failing to reckon with the issues around that so i i think it's two things you know in a way like he has this huge responsibility to make facebook a big thing but what what he really wants to do is build like a cool virtual world and not like deal with any of the problems of Facebook. So I don't know. I'm of two minds about like his, his sense of responsibility around this stuff, but this looks cool. Um, Last year I talked about Facebook horizons, which is a similar thing. It's kind of in this family of virtual worlds, but that's meant to be like a VR playground. And the big issue there was, Hey, there's, there's no way like police um, safety, 
or make sure people are being safe and not harassed. And Facebook didn't really have mechanisms for community control. This one is just a focus slice of people in meetings. You know, it's a, it's a couple of folks in meetings. If somebody is being a jerk to you and harassing you for some reason, like if you are guessing into something, you can report them. That's cool. But it's not like a big virtual world. It is a self-contained room where you could just sit and chat with people. So it's a small start, but I think it's really cool. And uh, yeah, if you have a Quest 2 and you have some friends with Quest 2s, uh, it may be worth uh, checking this out. This is... Horizon Workrooms, the beta launches today. Dev, I have a very specific mm -hmm. question for you about this. So it seems like a really potentially cool workplace tool. And you and I have talked a bit before just about how we miss just being around people and like briefings and events are just more fun when you're sitting next to your friends and you're all kind of exactly. learning new stuff at the same time. Exactly. But yeah. did you ever get the impression while you were trying this out that the sort of facsimile of that experience somehow made the pain and longing for the actual <laughs> real thing more acute? I mean, probably, probably. It's sort of like, man, when uh, when the pandemic started and we were all, a lot of us were locked down and working from home, like video chats were like a release, right? A way to like, you know, at least be somewhat social. And I think this is kind of there too, but sure. I'm always going to miss like, especially right now, not being able to like have a normal real meeting with people. But realistically, you know, this is almost there. And also the logistics for meeting with people in person, if they're across the world or across the country, it it's tough. And now we're looking at things like environmental issues. In general, I do think um, flying is going to be something we think of differently moving forward because the world is on fire. And one thing we could all do is try to fly less to help. Moving on to some other news, there are just other, a couple other things I want to highlight. Also related to Facebook, um, it seems like things are going pretty badly in Afghanistan right now following America's like sudden departure from the country. The Taliban is like quickly taken over the civilian government. They took Kabul in only a few days. Things are pretty bad. And one thing Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other social networks pretty much have to deal with is how they look at and how they handle a lot of the Taliban related content, including stuff from members of the group. You know, there there is a high profile spokesperson for the Taliban who's on Twitter. He had 361,000 followers uh, when I wrote up my piece. And Twitter is saying that um, it's not going to be removing people who are, direct, are directly related to the group. Um, they also said like, oh man, uh, people in Afghanistan are using our platform to stay safe and whatnot. Uh, whereas Facebook and YouTube are more directly saying like, yeah, any, anything tied to the Taliban because, um, you know, under us law, uh, it's been sanctioned as a terrorist organization. Um, yeah, we're, we're not going to allow anything like that. So no policies are changing, but I think just looking at how the world is changing so quickly, it is interesting to see like what these companies have to do. Like what is their responsibility as the vectors for getting information for people, you know, for millions of people, for billions of people in Facebook's case. And it seems like when something like this happens, like these, these companies almost have to do the things that states have to do, you know, that countries have to do when it comes to blocking certain groups or sanctioning certain groups and things like that. So it's interesting to see. I wrote up a bit of that and I'm sure like um, we're, we're going to see even more of that moving forward. I'm not our social media expert, but I do look at our, you know, I do look at like how social media companies are responding to these things. And this seems like yet another test for them. And in a time where there are already like 
proving themselves not able to handle vaccine misinformation and like the spreading of other extremism, extremist content. This seems like a pretty important test for all these social networks. I don't know if you, do you guys have any thoughts on this? V, go ahead, because mine's a, <laughs> sort of a different note. Yes. Well, mine is too. I, I think the one thing that I've sort of been struck by, and this is something that we've mentioned in some of our coverage, is that, you know, just the way that the Taliban presents itself across the social media channels that would yep. allow them, just, it it's remarkably... It's well done. Polished, like they're right? a well-run organization, which is scary, you know, because they can use these tools. Yeah. To the point where at least some people believe that there's like a PR firm involved in all of this. Mm. I, I don't know if that's uh, correct. We, we mentioned that in some of our reporting, uh, but so far we don't know any of the specifics around that. But like, wouldn't it be crazy if this, if some of the same firms that, you know, push products to people on social media are the ones kind of implicitly helping this regime kind of expand its I mean, reach. That, that's, not, that's not unusual, right? We've talked no. about this before, but uh, hey, IBM sold databases to the Nazis. I was going to say that I think it's uh, it's a little bit different to do PR for a company versus sell like databases, but in, you're both peddling products. Your product, so it's, if it's, your product yeah. is PR, so um, yeah. yeah. There's two things I wanted to, to say really quickly about what V said. Number one, mm-hmm. when you say... In our reporting, we covered this. Let's be clear. You mean Washington Post. I mean, I got confused for a second. Yes. I do mean the Washington Uh, Post. (laughs) Somebody works for a real newspaper. Right. Look, and Gadget's legit. You guys got to. It's great. (laughs) I know. We're all the same. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't really. Yeah. Yeah. You're right that they do also seem very polished. My note on this Mm -hmm. uh, thing that you were talking about, Devendra, as about how uh, all these social media companies have a lot to reckon with right now, Um, not to equate the two. Uh, because I don't think there's similar level of of, of severity or, or grand scale of, you know, country being torn down. But I think Facebook and Twitter were also recently in the news for being the tech support to Lizzo's trolling issues, which, mm-hmm. again, as not for as long as celebrities have been on social media, there have been like trolls coming after them. We you know, from way back when it was less dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Lizzo, you know, recently had a breakdown. I think it was on TikTok or Instagram stories and uh, there were people coming at her. And then, yeah, apparently Facebook and Twitter have been good at disabling accounts that will say As awful, awful They things. should be. Like, this is this is the responsibility for any platform because if you make yourself a good social platform that's easily for people to chat with each other, it's easy for people to throw abuse around and it is your responsibility to stop that you know and and i will say that i think reddit in recent years has taken a turn for the better where like the communities Mm -hmm. there feel less toxic there's better rules every subreddit now has its like rules and etiquette guidelines at the top that sort of thing it doesn't sound to me like it's necessarily a reddit first thing where it was from an internal effort and it sounds more like they just had community managers who you know it were from the subs themselves who stepped up to be mods and good mods at that. Um, but but anyway, it, it, there's just a lot of ways I think that social media can approach these things. And it's just it's just important more than ever, like you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on to to I guess a bit of lighter news. I'm gonna talk about CS first, actually, because yes, I want to yes, save yes. the most fun thing for the last. But there was <laughs> news this week that CS says it's requiring vaccination to attend the 2022 show, which is a thing that is apparently still happening. I don't, do you guys have feelings about this? Because I do have, I do have a sense. It is currently August 19th. This show is 
over four months away and we are looking at a fifth wave of you know coronavirus going through because of delta um who knows what this fall will look like who knows what this winter will look like i don't even know if i don't know if it'll be safe at all even if you say you're going to make people prove vaccination um that doesn't help with flying there that doesn't help with staying in vegas and like who knows that you're at your hotel like it doesn't solve the big problem but what do you guys think Here's look, I I have my thoughts about vaccines. I, I think everyone should do it, whatever it's personal opinion. I I I cannot imagine a scenario in which the CTA can effectively manage that number of people. Like we yep. know with the security at CES, like unless unless you have to upload proof, verified proof of vaccine status as part of your registration, which for all they like I haven't looked into it, maybe they're doing. But like mm-hmm. if they're relying on having the guys at the door check cards or pictures on phones, A, look, we know these vaccine statuses are mm-hmm. relatively easy to fake if you really wanted to. B, mm-hmm. there's there's like 15 of those guys, comparatively speaking. Like we've mm-hmm. so far outweighed. Like there is no scenario in which this uh-huh. works the way they wanted to. Am well, I crazy? Realistically, I think if they did it, it would be part of your registration, right? So it would be a thing. You wouldn't get a badge. If they couldn't verify it, but that's the other thing. Like it is easy to fake. If you're submitting a you know a front and back photo of a card, you could you could buy a fake card and submit it, and nobody would know. And because, to Devendra's yeah. point too, there's so many offsite events at CES that like yes, a badge holder yes. could go to and mingle with non-registered attendees. Uh, and it, it, I mean, for us, like let's say V, you were attending CES or. And imagine that it, it was still in Gadget first or whatever. Um, not all of our events are going to be at the show floor or at Sands or whatever, right? Sometimes you had to go to an offsite hotel to be like, oh, they're doing this cool activation dinner thing. Or, hey, the party at night is going to be at uh, the Brooklyn Bridge Bowl place again. Um, are you going to not attend those just because they might not be CES attendees only or vaccinated mm-hmm. attendees only? If, and then if you do go and there so, just so happens to be someone there that is sick. Mm-hmm. Then it CES is a super spreader event. It, all it takes is one person they at were, one unsanctioned event. They were so lucky that the 2020 CES was not was not a super spreader event. It was not it, super it is, spreader. It was definitely a spreader. <laughs> I mean, it's always like a yeah. spreading event of yeah. some sort of like flu or exactly. disease or whatever. I have taken to basically never touching, like never shaking hands. Yep. Uh, I always wipe my hands. I always I didn't wear a mask when I used to go to CES, but th- yeah, it seemed like probably to. we all should have been. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's how I avoided it. There yeah, were definitely people yeah. who got sick because of last CES. It wasn't like a huge uh, super spreader event for coronavirus. It easily could have been. And it seems like they're just tempting fate now. Like, well, hey, yeah. let's try it again. Yeah. We'll take bets now whether CES 2022 is still going to go ahead as an yeah, international we, show because I, I'm definitely not going to <laughs> go if it's international. I don't I don't I feel mm. like that's even worse. That's certainly even worse. Like that, that seems harder to be. I, I have a feeling they're going to be stubborn about this and do the Mobile World Congress route where they do it they and like it or, a, uh, a couple of thousand people go and that's it. Right. And there's no news and it's completely unimportant and irrelevant. But or you can cover you everything remote. Yeah. True. I was reading the, the CTA's statement on this whole thing mm-hmm. and it says basically nothing of value. Like, yes, we, mm-hmm. will, we will require you to prove your vaccine status if you want to go to CES in person. But there is no insight into how that process works. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. if, if it's part of registration, great. Tell us that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact that they're not specifically saying anything leads yep. me to believe that, A, they, haven't, they possibly haven't figured it out yet. They haven't. Or, B, they, 
will default to the potentially easiest and most sort of effectable way to do this, which is to just have guys at the door checking cards and stuff, which I sincerely hope they do not do. But it's the CTA. So literally, who knows sometimes? <laughs> all right. Well, something fun right. now, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something fun. This is you. This is all you. This thing isn't something Engadget covered, but it happened, no. uh, I think, this week. Only fans. Everybody's favorite Patreon alternative um, is now kind of making it okay or making it possible for you to have a nude-free experience. <laughs> if you're not familiar with OnlyFans, uh-huh. and and to be clear, I am not very familiar with OnlyFans myself, uh, it's where creators um, can, you know, offer subscription programs to their content often this content is of a you know lots of skin we're, we're, we're all adults here Shulin. Just, come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know, we it's know. it's porn I, yeah. I'm, yeah sure yeah sure. yeah uh, or 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 you know it's according to the cnet article mm-hmm. this is uh the the wording they use is that it's the company infamous for news so how about we go with that it's it's pretty clear people are like <laughs> posting uh pg r-rated content on here but anyhow only fans is now Mm-hmm. pushing for a nude free experience and so it seems like y- you know anyone can have an only fans and not have people mm-hmm. expect you to publish nudes it sounds like it could be like a cameo like competitor but through or live patreon streams. yeah or patreon patreon is a different thing right because it could be like yeah, yeah patreon it could be tied to anything a podcast any work you do right. but it is in that vein because what is cool about cameo is that uh you know you you pay somebody a couple hundred bucks and somebody it's you like uh, usually like right. a b or c level actor they send somebody a message and that's it it's like it's an easy transaction i got um a mother's day message for my wife from brent spiner and <gasps> yes. that was totally right. worth it that was totally worth yeah. it absolutely worth yeah. it because she loves him and she loves data so like that sort of thing there there is clear give and take between the fans and what the, the talent is producing I'd imagine something yeah. similar here for this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, basically, uh, once OnlyFans becomes PG friendly, you'll see more people on there. Uh, I think, uh, and I'm not saying who. <laughs> Maybe if you all are big fans of Chris Velasco, you should suggest he starts an OnlyFans with no nudes. <laughs> I mean, what what makes you think I don't already? Can I say? Yeah. No. Just gonna, just just gonna walk that one back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was trying to not say or do, considering your reputation. B. Only gadget oh, fans. It's... Yeah. Only Ooh. gadget oh. fans. Oh, we got somebody buy that URL. Hold on. Buy that domain. Okay. Shortly after we recorded this episode, OnlyFans made a major announcement. They're banning sexually explicit conduct entirely and that's on top of the recently announced new platform OFTV that we're talking about here. OnlyFans is saying that basically it'll be blocking all depictions of sex acts though nudity is still allowed as long as it follows their acceptable use policy. According to Bloomberg uh, this is entirely because the company is trying to raise more funding to receive a valuation at around a billion dollars and it turns out backers and financial providers just aren't really into uh, supporting something that is a very sexually explicit service. In a statement, OnlyFans said, in order to ensure the long-term sustainability of our platform and to continue to host an inclusive community of creators and fans, we must evolve our content guidelines. 
There's certainly a lot to say about a company like OnlyFans, which was founded by people who were involved in the porn industry, to try to pivot into something more sanitary like this. We didn't really have much of a chance to get into that in this episode, but we'll definitely be following this news, so stay tuned for updates. Let's save ourselves from this discussion. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I am I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I was up really late working on that Facebook thing. Um, I'm also reviewing the Razer Blade 14, which is the new AMD-powered Razer gaming laptop. Uh, it is a little smaller than the Blade 15, but I think more capable than the 13-inch uh, Stealth Blade. Uh, Blade Stealth, that's what that one is called. So I'm really interested in seeing how this thing performs. I just need more time to play with it. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, I may be reviewing the game 12 Minutes, which I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. So that all sounds cool. Shulin, are, are you doing anything beyond dying from phone reviews? And, and dying and more dying from phone reviews. So I am currently testing the... Well, the Z Flip review is up today. And then I'll have the Watch 4 review up shortly. And then I'll have the Fold 3 review up shortly. So as you can imagine, three or four reviews or yeah, whatever in, in, in a week is not great or fun to do. But we'll have them up. And that's what I'm working on. And then also other stuff. Other... Um, IFA is coming up. Right. And, and the usual time frame for IFA, the uh, you know show that's usually in Germany, is early September. And so the end of August is when we usually start getting briefed and we start checking out products ahead of time. So that, that, that's all. That's all. That's all coming, y'all. Stay tuned for Gadget News. Are we asking V what he's working on? Uh, Actually, you know what? I don't care. Cut, cut to the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Okay. No, no, no. You- let, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. What are you working on, V? So I've got some stuff in the works, uh, but but what I, I and to be clear, I did not come on this podcast to plug anything that I'm doing. But uh, what I am currently interested in—I've enjoyed in, your pieces, by the way. I, I've seen some you. of your explainer pieces, and it's yeah. nice. And also, I, I bet it must feel nice not to be like doing the craze review dance like uh, Sherlyn is currently doing. Oh, you don't think I missed that? You don't think I missed working yeah, with a crazy I, person? He's offered to help me write my yeah. reviews like a few times now. <laughs> Just like as a ghostwriter. Because... I want I got to keep those those skills sharp. <laughs> but what, what, what I am interested in is if anyone watching or listening happens to be a T-Mobile customer and they think they might be affected by the T-Mobile data breach, I'd love to hear what your experiences are. T-Mobile oh. so far has not really talked about the full scope. They've, they've offered some information about what kind of data was leaked and possibly how many people that affected, but there's still a lot of unclear factors there. So if you've heard from T-Mobile or if you have experiences about trying to change your password, I've heard from some people that that is not a thing you're able to do online. Some people are being routed to go to stores to do it, which I'm trying to confirm. Anyway, if you've got a T-Mobile story, I'd love to hear it. Mm Chris.Velasco at (laughs) washpost.com. I guess I'll email you. Yeah, you can send me all sorts of messages. So Yeah, just send Velasque fields. Like, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to our pop culture picks. Shirlin, I know you're very excited to talk about. Oh, my you gosh, you all. I saw Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi for people who need to see it phonetically or something in your heads. Uh, Shang-Chi <laughs> and, the ten, and the Ten Rings uh, at a press preview. I can't talk. I don't think too much about it. I can say that I watched it. I enjoyed it. I think the reviews it. are up, aren't they? There is a s- different embargo that I that I got uh, anyway um, for for later in the month. But mm-hmm. I will say this: uh, I don't. 
I, I have a lot of thoughts about it that aren't tech related, but mm-hmm. who cares? You're not always here for tech only. Great action scenes, very good action scenes. And mm-hmm. I say this as someone who grew up with consuming Asian cinema, um, love it, basically love it. predominantly. So, so good. Um, I was blown away from the start. I have a few thoughts on why can't we find other Asian actresses in the world anymore? Um, because Aquafina is not the only one. She's great. I like her a lot. She's excellent comedian mm-hmm. um and you know girl ride that wave of fame and popularity while you can of course for sure this is but what happens in hollywood others. like uh some yeah. people break out and then they're yeah. just cast and everything and exactly yeah i'm yeah. kind of not i'm like i i've seen her in the last seven you know asian heavy films i'm i'm good mm-hmm. michelle yo same thing you know like she's also the de facto she's, older Asian woman in most things. But she's so, great. She I love still her. kicks ass. Like I mean, in oh Star gosh, Trek Discovery. She is still kicking everything. ass. Continue to do yeah. She was in she was yeah, she was also in Guardians, by the way, in case y'all didn't realize. So this is kind of weird that she's showing up here. Um <laughs> like a double character in the MCU. Great. Mm-hmm. Um but no, she kicks ass. Her and Ming Nawin, two of my favorites, but um again, there's there's more. There yeah. But also, the last act of the show gets a little wonky, but y'all, y'all, I'm not going to spoil too much for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Leung. Oh, my God. Tony Leung. The, so the good. The best. Still. Yes. Okay. The best. And finally, it was very gratifying as an Asian person who's bilingual. Actually, tr- quadrilingual. Anyway, lots of <laughs> lingual. Wow. To, to watch this and everyone speaking the different languages more or less is pronouncing everything correctly. Like for right, too right. long, every time I watch a show where someone's supposedly fluent in Chinese does not speak proper. They speak Chinese like Chris Velasco speaks Chinese, basically. Mm-hmm. Um which is do you want do you wanna do you wanna show off to people how you sound like when you speak Chinese V? And and the actual pronunciation which should be <laughs> like I, okay. I'm, Fine. I'm on the extreme end of pronouncing it correctly right now because I, I did the Chinese accent thing too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But imagine my pain when I'm watching a movie and I know how I should hear it go. It's like y'all, if y'all watch a Korean movie or, or other foreign language movie and the one person who supposedly like grew up in America goes like, Hello, how are you? Very fluent in English now. Thanks. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it's not just an accent thing. Anyway, it's a marvel to be to be the one to make something that I felt was satisfying on that front. It was so strange. And then everyone spoke Chinese with each other when there was no other English-speaking person mm-hmm. in the room, which also so important. I'm yeah, like, yeah. why why do you have to speak English? I don't, I don't want to give Marvel too much too much credit here. Like, I, let's, I know. Let's wind this back a little because we are uh, way beyond the Well, the I did third. change my mind midway through. Yeah. I will say I did change my mind on that midway through, but I don't want to <laughs> yeah. go too much into that on our podcast. You can always invite me to your film podcast exactly. to talk about this. We stuff. are way beyond the the third... What, what are we now? Like a 25th MCU movie? Like, we are in the next wave like the fourth <laughs> wave of MP- mcu they gave us um a, a wonderful what was the the netflix show with the with the that white Daredevil? dude oh no. iron fist? oh iron fist. yeah i am do not I do not, not like forget yeah. about iron fist like, <laughs> oh, don't, do not don't forget. forget tilda swinton anyway. who i love but should it not be sure. doctor Sh- they, they, so they were really really dumb to do that anyway i'm glad shang chi like did well for you Shilin. Yeah, i'm yeah, looking yeah. forward to seeing it i hear the choreography is good i love so this good. cast the director destin daniel cretton who did short term 12 which is an incredible indie movie i don't think 
I don't think anybody real like many people don't realize he's an Asian American filmmaker and he's doing mm. some incredible work these days. So I didn't like his last movie. Uh, he did actually two, Just Mercy and The Glass Castle. But Short Term 12 is an incredible film and you will not be able to watch that without crying. As for me, I just want to shout out The Green Knight, a movie I've talked about before, directed by David Lowry. It stars Dave pa- uh, Dev Patel, not Dave Patel. Mm-hmm. Dev Patel. It's sort of like him in an Arthurian legend where he is a young knight out to prove himself, um, basically on a quest to prove his masculinity and prove mm-hmm. his heroism. I I love like a good Arthurian legend that's told really well. I don't think it's done. It hasn't been done really well in movies aside from Excalibur, a movie I absolutely adore. And I think this movie is fantastic. And I'm shouting it out now because it is uh, streaming on video on demand as of today. So you could rent it. You can buy it. Um, you don't have to go to the theater. I saw it in the theater, though, and it was incredible to see this thing on the big screen. So it is a wonderful slow burn of a fantasy film. It is not like... It's not Lord of the Rings. It's not like a super straightforward thing, but I think it's beautiful. I think everybody should see it. So check out The Green Knight. That is my pick. Uh, be anything nice. you've been you've been checking out you want to shout out? Nothing Nothing new. I live in the past, like many people do. Good. But that has come... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is coming quite handy. Uh, so what's been just sort of like sustaining me for a while now is a rewatch uh-huh. of Star Trek The Next Generation. And last night, mm. I watched... When, I forget what the episode was called, but it's the episode where Captain Picard is just forced by his crew to take a vacation on the pleasure planet Risa. Oh, and yeah. He's, and he's sort of, he, he's immediately kissed by a woman when he gets there and gets sucked into this world of intrigue. And apparently this whole episode came about because Patrick Stewart, who was dating the actress, portraying the woman that he had his romantic uh-huh. liaison with on the planet, said that Captain Picard should do more effing and effing, <laughs> fighting and fornicating, according uh-huh. to, I believe, producer... Uh-huh. Iris Stephen Bear. I mean, so if you they, just wanna, they were right. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want to watch, if you want to watch a, a man of indeterminate age being really grumpy yeah. that he can't read a book, but then get sucked into a time traveling, uh, whirling plot of intrigue. Yeah, go watch that episode. I that's forget a, what it's called. Though. That's a good episode. And if you want to see a really young Patrick Stewart who's still like bald and everything, he's an Excalibur as one of the knights mm. that uh, they have to solve, they have to help. So everybody is in that movie. That movie's incredible. I love Excalibur. Go watch it, people. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and also at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com. You can find Chris Velasco at his Washington Post's email address, Chris.Velasco at WashPost.com. But also, where else online can people find you, V? You can find me at Chris Velasco on Twitter.com. Wow. If you have suggestions for Asian actresses that should be in more Hollywood films, please send them to me on Twitter. I am at Sherlyn Lowe, indeed. So we're taking next week off from the live stream. So please use that time to email us questions about the new phone season or anything else gadget related at podcast at engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. I've been free balling my my. I free ball sure. as well.